All right, brothers and sisters, we thank you for uh, joining us today. We are appreciative of God Almighty uh, above everything else that he's given us this opportunity uh, to share the word. Um, we thank God because he knows exactly what we need and he's always got fresh bread for us. Uh, we are picking up in this Bible matters, uh, Bible study. Um, we started this Bible study out. Um, this is the third lesson. Uh, we started out talking about uh, knowing our enemy and understanding uh, accountability. Um, when we first started, we started and took on the topic of count accountability. So we kind of dealt with that first. Then uh, in the second lesson, we moved, um, we highlighted accountability, and then we moved into uh, knowing uh, our enemy and understanding our enemy. And in that second lesson, we, we talked a lot about Satan, um, uh, who he is and uh, his character and those uh, sorts of things. The scripture that we use to springboard from is Second Chronicles chapter 12, um, verses one uh, through two, and then uh, verses five through eight. Okay. Now that's the scripture set that we started with, uh, especially when we started talking about accountability. Um, but then we also used that scripture set, especially verses five and eight, or five through eight, rather, of Second Chronicles chapter 12, to springboard uh, to move from accountability and uh, into the topic of understanding our enemy or knowing our uh, enemy. And this is something that's very important because um, a lot of us don't know what we're up against, what we think we do, and um, or we have a suspicion of what we're up against, but we don't fully understand it. We know that uh, the devil is our adversary, but we don't understand the depth of that. We don't understand his movements and how he does. And in this new, this next lesson here, um, we pick up this conversation uh, talking about Satan, and this time we get really into um, what we will get into, um, how his kingdom is structured and how he, how he actually operates. The, the lesson prior, we talked about a little bit about his character, and we'll recap that. We said that we sprung board, or this was a springboard from Second Chronicles chapter 12, and in particular verses 5 through 8, which uh, I'm going to read verses um, six, um, uh, actually seven and eight, uh, because these are the actual scriptures here that now have led us into the topic of understanding the enemy. Okay, um, Verse seven says this, and when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, they have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them. But I will grant them some deliverance and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants that they may know my service and the service of the kingdom of the countries. Now that those two scriptures really bring in the concept of accountability because what they tell us, what they reveal to us OK, especially if you take these and you go back up to verse number two in Second Chronicles, chapter 12, verse number two says, and it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Why? Because they trans they had transgressed against the Lord. OK, so all of this uh, was on the heels of them transgressing the Lord. And the story is, is that um, 
Rehoboam and his kingdom um, of, of Israel, uh, they got to a point where they strengthened themselves and they started to feel pretty complacent, feel pretty confident in what they were able to achieve for themselves or secure for themselves. Now, when they did that, that, that caused a problem because they began to lean on themselves and not on God. The end result of that was that they forsook God. Okay. They forsook the law of God. Okay. And that's very interesting because the Bible tells us in verse one, they forsook the law of the Lord because it doesn't just mean it just, it doesn't just mean that I turn my back on God. Okay. I, it, it doesn't just mean that, that I, I that I, I, that I chose that I, that I'm choosing not to believe in God it doesn't mean that, or, you know, or to believe what he says. But when it says that they forsook the law of the Lord, what that means is, is, is that they rebelled against doing what he said. So it's a step, it's a step beyond when you forsake the law of the Lord, that's a step beyond just saying, I don't believe anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm, that, that's different. That, that's, that's different. Both of them are bad, but that, but those are two different things. When you say that, when it can be said of you that you forsook the law of the Lord, that means that you turned your back on obeying the word of God. Okay. You're not following the word of God. You are doing things contrary to the word of God. You are breaking the commandments of the, of God, all of these things. And that's what Rehoboam did. Okay. And that's one of the things that we talked about in the first uh, lesson. We talked a lot about that. When we got to that second scripture set verses five through eight, um, verse number five actually said, uh, then came Shemaiah, the prophet to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak and said unto them, thus saith the Lord, ye have forsaken me. And therefore I have also left you in the hand of Shishak. Now, in the last lesson, when we started talking about um, the enemy and understanding your enemy, it was because of this second scripture set, verses five um, through eight, okay? Verses seven and eight show us that accountability um, is present and accounted for. And just because you get right with God, many people um, make the tragic mistake of backsliding. So they turn away from God and they walk away from God. That's what it means to backslide. You turn away and you walk away. Okay. So, and you have, you have a subset of individuals, um, who are believers. Okay. The, what does that, what do I mean by that? I mean that, that, that these are people who were, who are saved. These are people who, these are people who have, been, who have repented of their sins, according to the scripture, they have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They don't just not they 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 and they they didn't just imagine they got the Holy Ghost. They know they got the Holy Ghost. The initial sign that accompanies the Holy Ghost, which the Bible dictates in the Book of Acts in multiple places, that it is the speaking in tongues. That is how they knew. So when we talk about somebody who's backslid, and we're talking about somebody who absolutely, according to the Scripture, their salvation is founded on Scripture. It's not founded on, I feel like I was saved. I, I, somebody told me I was saved. Uh, I think I'm a say, uh-uh, no. The salvation is based on the word. In other words, you can take the salvation experience that is outlined in the book of Acts, amen, and they can compare what happened to them to what the Bible says happened. That's how you know. That's how you know. Salvation is not based on feeling. It's not based on what you think. 
No, salvation is based on knowledge. It is based on the knowledge of what God Almighty, Jesus Christ has done. Okay, salvation is based on the completed work of Jesus Christ. It is based on what he did. It's not based on what you feel. It's not based on what I feel. It's not based on what I think. It is based and founded upon what he did. It stands on the strength of what he did. He's God Almighty. He secured that salvation. Amen. God's word is forever settled. The salvation must be according to the scripture. You know it's according to the scripture when it is founded upon the scripture in when you can take what you went through, what you experienced, and you can line it up to what the Bible says is supposed to happen, okay? So, but when a person backslides, okay, they turn away after all of this and they walk away, all right? Now, God, in his mercifulness, in the name of Jesus, and I'm glad he does, that God brings back the backsliding. God can do that, okay? God can bring back the backslider, okay? Now, when God brings back the backslider, okay, when that happens, while in the backslidden state, prior to God bringing them back, a person who's backslidden acts worldly and lives worldly. So what they do is they undertake worldly practices. Now, there are things that you can do in this world, okay? Sins that you can get involved with and you can undertake that they have long lasting consequences. They're not just over in a night. You come back to God and God forgives you, but it does not mean that the consequences for the actions that you undertook while you were backslidden, that God is just going to make those go away. Uh-uh, that's not going to happen. The consequences of sin follow. And when you sin willfully, because remember, the Bible teaches us to know to do, you know, to know to do good and and not do it. That is sin. To purposely not do the right thing and do the wrong thing, depending on what you do, guess what? The, the consequences of that. Well, they're not just going to go away. God forgives you. But just because God forgives you, it does not mean his forgiveness is not synonymous with him removing the consequences of sin. No, if you go out and you go and and heaven forbid, and you go and uh, you, 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 you go and, and hurt seriously maim somebody or hurt somebody because you were in a fit of rage and up and upset and all this other kind of stuff. Well, when the law catch up with you, you still going to have to pay for the crimes that you committed. You're not just going to get off the hook from that. 
a husband decides that he wants to beat on his wife, wife decides she wants to beat on her husband. And all of a sudden, the police got to come out there and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and heaven forbid, escalate to, you know, to, to, you know, saying, you know, too, too far, but, but, but it happens. And all of a sudden, guess what? In the process of all of these different things, the law comes out, you get arrested, she gets arrested and all kinds of different things. Maybe it's not the first offense or all kinds of stuff and so on and so forth. You open, they open themselves up to the chastisement that is the law or the consequences that are the law. Now, in, in the process of this, after the fact, that husband, that wife might find Jesus and, and come back to the Lord and say, you know what, I know I was wrong and I, I'm going back to the Lord and, and I'm repenting of my sin. I'm sorry for the way that I treated my wife. I'm sorry for the way that I treated my husband. I'm sorry for the way that I treated my kids and all of these different things. And I'm just using this as an extreme example, but there are other examples that you can put in. And the, the, uh, the, the point of it, the principle of it applies to all of it. But anyway, this person comes back and they say, you know what, I was wrong and I repent and I'm coming back to the Lord. And so they go before the Lord and they break themselves before the Lord, their heart. They become tender and open before the Lord. Well, guess what? God is going to forgive them if they're true and they're real and they go back to God. And, 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 and remember, true repentance is turning with the intent of never going back to what it was that you turned from. If you have no intention of stopping what you're doing, that's false repentance. You have not really repented. So we're talking about a person who really, truly repents. They, they, they're done. In their heart and their mind, they're done with all of that. Doesn't mean they don't have physical struggles. Doesn't mean that they won't have temptation. But in their heart and their mind, they're done with that. And they're turning to God with their whole heart. Well, God's going to forgive them. But just because God forgives them, that don't erase all of the laws and everything else that they may have broken while they were in that backslidden state. And they're still going to have to deal with that. Yeah, you might still have to do with, deal with some jail time. You might still, it does, do you hear what I'm telling you? What, if you, you can in be, when, you, when a person backslides and walks in sin, depending on what the sins are that they walk in, the consequences for those sins can be far reaching. And so accountability certainly steps in. And so seven and eight of Second Chronicles chapter 12, uh, two, Second Chronicles chapter 12, um, really show us that, that you don't, that the consequences, they, they, they follow. But verse five, if you go back up, when he says, thus saith the Lord, you have forsaken me, therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. That goes along with seven, uh, with seven and eight. It's, it's kind of the start, it's the start of that, um, letting you know that uh, accountability follows you, okay? Repentance and forgiveness doesn't remove accountability, okay? Doesn't do that. You still, you got you got to pay for what you've done. Whatever a man sow, Bible says that will he reap. So that's why you want to not get into this stuff in the first place. You don't want to sow foolishness, so you ain't got to reap foolishness. The consequences of foolishness. You don't want that. Okay. Now, but verse five says that thus you have forsaken the Lord. Therefore, have I left you in the hand of Shishak. And this brings us right into knowing the enemy, because when we step outside of the will of God, meaning that we are going to be disobedient, okay, we bat, we're going to walk away from God and walk into everything else. When you step outside of God's hand, we said this a couple of times in the last two lessons, 
when you decide you're gonna step out of God's hands, you're gonna be you're gonna fall into somebody else's hands. And that somebody else is the enemy. Okay. You gotta make sure you understand that. When you step outside of God's hands, you don't want to be in you don't want to do, and that is a metaphor, meaning that you don't want to do what God tells you to do. You don't, you don't want to follow what he's commanded you to do. You're not going to be obedient. You're going to be disobedient. Well, when you decide that you are not going to do what God says, so you step out of the hands of God, out of God's desired will for you, and you walk in your own and begin to walk in your own ways and in your own path, what you think is your own path is really the will and the path of Satan. You're walking in the devil's path. So when you jump out of God's hands, you land in the devil's hand. And that's what you need to understand. You need to understand that. When you jump out of God's hand, hands, you land in the hand of the devil. Okay? You land in the hand of the devil. Notice what he said. You have forsaken me, therefore I have left you in the hand of Shishak. Not hands, plural, hand, singular. Hands, plural, would have meant that Shishak or the world had total control. But hands, singular, represent partial control, partial influence. See, God don't, didn't forsake his people, but he left them in the hand or allowed the enemy to be able to antagonize them. To cause them problems. And when we who are believers jump out of the hands of God, we land in the hand of the enemy. What does that mean? That simply means that the enemy, we, 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 we are open season for the enemy to antagonize us. God hasn't given you totally over. He hasn't given you completely into the hands, plural, of the enemy, but the hand. What does that mean? It means that you're going to have to deal with consequences to sin. Because what the devil tricked you into doing, you best believe it got strings attached. And the consequences, they're going to hit you. They're going to hit you. You're going to have to deal with that. And so in the process of this, in the process of learning this, that when we jump out of the hands of God through disobedience, we land in the hand of the enemy or the hand of Satan, the hand of the devil, okay? We talked about that because of that, we really do need to understand what it actually means to the depth of the danger of stepping out of the hand, hands of the Lord, okay? 
stepping outside of the will, the, the, the desired will of God for us and choosing to operate according to this world, which is according to the whims of Satan, the enemy, okay? You need to know the depth of what that actually means. And so part of explaining that depth is us understanding the enemy, how he works, what he does. Now, we talked about a lot of different things. And one of the things that we did was that we got into, um, uh, we dealt with the, the, uh, the, the, the titles of Satan, okay? And we discovered how, um, um, how they represent, they, they reveal the different titles, reveal different aspects or elements to his behavior and how he acts. So there's a lot to be learned from that because we're talking about knowing our inner enemy. We also learned that this world, when we walk according to the course of this world, which is something that we learn about or we read about, amen, in, a, in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, especially uh, verse uh, number two in there, when we walk according to the course of this world, okay, then we, we are influenced and we buy into the messages of this world. We learn that underneath the messages of the world, there's an undercurrent. There is a hidden message that travels beneath or parallel underneath rather these, the messages of the world. And so that, un, that, 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 that message that travels underneath, okay, is really the subtle message or the teaching or the doctrines of the enemy, okay? Doctrine just means teaching, okay, or subject of the teacher. So whatever of the teacher taught or teaches, that is his doctrine, okay? If a teacher, math teacher teaches algebra um, and no other type of math, then algebra is his or hers doctrine, okay? So the teaching underneath the world's messages, and, the world, and we gave some example, the world's messages are, are, are messages like it's all about you and 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 do what's right for you. All of these messages, and we learned that these types of messages are really the teachings of self-reliance, social indifference, and natural and divine independence. So, in other words, the subtle message that the devil teaches underneath all of these popular messages of the world is really the message or the doctrine of I, me, and my. And then we discovered that if you break that down even further, the doctrine of I, me, and my is really. Um, is, is really synonymous with pride and lust because that's what all that is. That's what they all amount to, okay? And we learned about that, okay? We learned about um, how that before salvation takes place, and this is really what we learn in Ephesians 1, um, 2, uh, 1 through 3, um, 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 Ephesians chapter 2, rather, verses 1 through 3, we learned that before salvation comes in, a person is dead in trespasses and sin. That's what the Bible teaches. So before you're saved, before I'm saved, I am dead in trespasses and sin. That means I am the living dead. What does that mean? That means in the natural, I am alive, right? But my spirit is dead. So I'm both living and dead, okay? I'm right now, I'm, I, that, 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 that's the way I start out. Okay. And in this state of natural living, but spiritual deadness or dead, we behave, the Bible teaches, according, or we were in obedience to the governing authority or to the authority structure that rules the, that of the unseen realm. Okay. That's what 
Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three teaches when it uses the word, the phrase, ye walked according to the course of this world. That's the message. That's the pattern. That's the way of the world. Okay. And he says, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now the prince of the power of the air, we learned that that's a title um, uh, of Satan. Okay. Um, he is, uh, that he, that, that he is considered a, the prince of this world. You can read that in John 12 uh, and 31. You can see it again, John 14 and 30, and you'll see it again in John 16 and 11. Okay. So you'll see that that is, he is referred to as the prince of this world. So Satan is one of his titles is that of a prince. So when the Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, verse two, that ye walked according to the course of the world, that means you, you, you abided by, you behaved by, you operated by the structure of this world, the way of this world, which, and it says according to, which means that it was dictated to or dictated by the prince, that's Satan, of the power of the air of the power of the air simply means the authority or the government structure. And the air means represents the unseen realm or the unseen kingdom. So you operate it according to the governing or the governmental stuck structure, okay, of the demonic realm or Satan's kingdom. That's what that means, okay? And so prior to us being saved, this is the way that we operate. This is the way that we live. Literally, in short, we did the devil's bidding. You, you, didn't, you didn't think you were. You might have thought you were well-adjusted. You might have thought you were good, this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. But God recognizes no good that does not acknowledge him. What are you saying? I'm saying that good is not good enough. If, you're not, if you have not submitted to God, good is not good enough. There is no other way to heaven outside of the avenue that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, but Brother Walker, that's narrow-sided. I know. He didn't give no other side. He didn't give no, he didn't give no other option. So it's quite narrow. It's very narrow. It's the straight road. And the Bible says it's few that find that road. Because broad is the path that leads to destruction. There's a whole lot of people on that. The problem is, is that the, the broad road runs parallel, seemingly runs parallel to the straight road. And so people think that when they, that they're going in the right direction. Oh, there's many ways to heaven is what people say is what, well. <laughs> and you know what? That's the message of the devil. That's what the devil is saying. They just repeating what he said. Oh, you don't have to do that. You can get there this other way. The devil love that game. See, look, you going in the same direction as them, and you guess what? You don't have to do all that. They talking about being holy. You don't have to do all that. They're just putting too much on it. They're just doing too much. They're refraining from this. They're refraining from that. No, you go ahead and indulge. They don't understand their liberties, but you do. Go ahead, watch. It'll be fine. You're traveling the devil's road. You look over to your right and you see the other road. Looks like a little narrow pathway. But by and large, you, you, you feel like you're going in the same direction. So you good. Are you? I submit to you that you're not. 
And as long as you're on that road, you ain't never been good. Just like I wasn't good. See, that's the lie and the illusion. That all roads lead to heaven. They don't. Only one road leads to heaven. And that road is only found through the straight gate. And that is Jesus Christ. The enemy tricks us because the road that he wants us to walk on seems to run parallel. To the straight road. But only the straight road family leads through the gate. Only the straight road goes through them pair of pearly gates. Only the straight road. It looked like it's close, but it's not. It is a deviation. And before you know it, it's going to take you into all kind of scene. And you're going to look up, and you ain't going to be able to see the straight road. No more. Because it deviated. You know, in construction, when um, construction workers are um, getting ready to lay uh, sheetrock for the walls um, of a building or facility, um, many times they have to cut irregular shapes or pieces depending on how the building is constructed, constructed rather, in order um, to make sure that the walls um, are framed um, or are sheetrocked um, uniformly together. And so sometimes what they'll have to do is, is if you know anything about that, then you know that, um, um, sheetrock comes in these long sheets. Okay. Of this chalk material. Okay. And, and, and when you need a certain piece of a different shape, well, they only, it only comes in one shape. It's, it's, it's large and it's rectangle, right? So if you want another piece or you need another shape, you're going to have to cut that shape, okay? Well, many times what will happen is, is that um, if you're going to cut it, you need to mark it. So you'll have to do it. Um, you'll need a tape. Uh, you, instead of a tape measure, you use like a, a chalk uh, measure or chalk line. And you will, and the idea is, is that you will need to run this chalk line. You want, you're going to have to measure it first. And the idea is, is that once you, you measure it and you get it level, you get it where you want it to be, you will run this chalk line against the length of this, uh, of this measurement, right? And then you'll snap it. And what it will do is, is that it will mark the sheetrock with a chalk line. That chalk line um, can then be used as a guide uh, to um, for the, the construction worker or the sheetrocker to cut that sheetrock into whatever size or whatever it is that he needs it to, needs it to be. But the thing is, is this, when he snaps that line and, and it creates that chalk line, either when either that line is level or straight or it is not, it can start off looking straight and level but if when he was measuring it before he snapped it if it wasn't level okay it will have the appearance of a straight line but if he was off just a little bit the further the line goes the further away it gets 
from where it's supposed to be. It starts out on the exact mark where he started the measurement, but because the line wasn't level, the, line, the chalk line that was ultimately snapped was no longer or also was not level or straight. It looked straight at the starting point, but if you was to follow that line, it's not the end point is not exactly in the middle or wherever it is that they were trying, what they were trying to do. It veered off slightly. And see, many lines start off at the right point, but if they're not straight, they deviate. They seem like it's the right road, but it's by the time you get to the end, the gap between where you are and where you should be is astronomical. But it didn't start out that way. It looked like it was straight. And that's the way sin is. Looks like it's straight. Looks like you're going in the right way. Devil tell you, you ain't got to do all that. You don't got to serve God with all that and all that other kind of stuff and so on and so forth. And so he sell you a bill of goods. And then you come up with a knockoff Christianity, one that's based on your desire, based on what you want to do. Not what God told you to do. And before you know it, you might have started out right. But you're not going to end up right. And so we learned all of these different things. OK, we learned all of these different things. We learned about the character of Satan. We talked about the 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 titles of Satan. And we went through all of those different things. OK, and and um, and we learned that the character of Satan is fallen. It's a fallen character. OK, we looked at Isaiah 14 uh, and uh, chapter 14, verse 12 through 17. And 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 we and we looked at things like in verse 12, where he says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? son of the morning because that's what lucifer uh that's what lucifer means okay it means day star or bright one or shining one okay now i want you to watch this he's a how thou art fallen O lucifer son of the morning how art thou cut down to the ground which did us weaken the nation we learned about all of that right then we looked at ezekiel 28 and looked at 12 through 19 and 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 verses 12 through through 14 God is describing, you know, man, look, this is then the beauty and the splendor and all this good stuff. Talking about Satan, talking about Lucifer. Okay. Then you get to verse 15. He says, Thou was perfect in thy ways until from the day that thou was created. In other words, I, God said, I created him good. I created you right. Where did he go wrong? The next phrase, till iniquity was found in thee. And that iniquity is lawlessness disobedience you want to do what you want to do and not what god told you to do i hope you're hearing what i'm telling you he said thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created created you good that iniquity means wickedness amen Wickedness was found in you. And then look at verse 17. Jump down to verse 17 of that. 
And that's Ezekiel chapter 28. Because he's breaking it down. And these are things that you need to know because if Satan fell prey to it, victim to it, so can we. And you better be careful. 17 says, breaks it all down of why all this happened. Because verse 16 said, and thou hast sinned. Everything that he did revolted in sin. How? Look at verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Watch this. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Remember, Lucifer, remember that, means son of the morning. It means day star, bright one, or shining one, okay? And in verse 17 of Ezekiel chapter 28, he says, and while he's explaining what happened, why you, how, how you sinned, how you, how, how, how you got corrupted, because, 17 says, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. He started paying attention to himself. Started singing his own praises. Started getting caught up in his own splendor. I, me, and my. Are you seeing that? Thine heart was lifted up. You got arrogant is what that means. Because of thy beauty. You thought you were something. He thought he was just the business. He's, he, was, he was feeling good. He was feeling good about himself. He, he thought he was all of that. That's what he, that's the scripture telling you. He thought he was all that. Arrogance, pride came in. Why? Because he had an incorrect view of himself. And I'm going to tell you something. If you got an incorrect view of yourself, pride and arrogance will come in. See, he says, your, his, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Because of thy beauty. And that beauty means everything that gives pleasure to the senses. So when he's talking about he was lifted up because of his, of his beauty, that means that everything about himself that he thought was just, just all that in a bag of chips, he was caught up in all of that. He was caught up in all of the things that he thought made him special, made him unique. And I want to warn somebody right here. Arrogance don't require you to be hung up on all of yourself. You can just be hung up on a few things concerning yourself. A few things that you like about yourself that, that you think are just better than everyone and everything else. If you got the wrong, the incorrect view of yourself, you'll fall just like Satan. 
You get what I'm saying? Sin don't discriminate. Sin is sin. And if it hits Satan, it'll hit you. And he wanted to hit you. And it has hit us. But Jesus came so that we could overcome and rise above it. He said, thine heart was lifted up because of thine beauty, because of everything, your, 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 your attributes, your stature, your, 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 your abilities, your talents, and all these things, all of that, man. You took it all wrong, and now you're walking in sin. Then he says, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Now, watch this. Thou hast corrupted. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. Now, when we say thou has corrupted, he began to, it means he, it really means, it, 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 it means that he began to act corruptly. He began to act uh, immorally. He began to act with a lack of integrity. Then that's what that means. So he says, and thou has corrupted thy wisdom, but thou has corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Now, that's a heavy phrase because what he's telling you here is, is that he's saying what Satan did, what Lucifer did, okay, was that he began to act contrary. Now it says, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. So what he, when he's talking about thy wisdom, he's talking about what he knew. And he was created good. He was created, he knew the truth. He was created with knowledge and an awareness of the truth. But because he got hung up on himself and everything else, started paying attention to his brightness, his, 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 his splendor. He's, I'm telling you, he got, he got hung up in his splendor and all the stuff that started that made him look good or that he thought made him unique and better than any and everything else. He got so caught up in that, that it corrupted the truth that he knew. You see that? When he was created, he was created perfect. Verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. He was created perfect in his ways. In other words, he knew perfectly what the will of God was, what God wanted, what, was, what, what he couldn't do. He knew all of that. He was aware. He was aware. Don't let him lie to you. Make you think like he didn't know. God didn't just do him. No, he, he knew. He knew. He knew. But when he got hung up on himself, it corrupted what he knew. It distorted what he knew. Why? Because he began to look at what he knew through the lens of himself. And brothers and sisters, when we start looking at God's word through the lens of ourselves, it's going to corrupt it. You're going to come up with something. You're going to come up with something wrong. Stay out of that. Stay out of that. That's what happened to him. He got caught up in his own, in his, in his own talents. 
and it corrupted him. It corrupted what he knew. It distorted what he knew. It distorted what he knew. Therefore, when he speaks now, he speaks from what he knows. But what he knows is distorted and corrupted. Thus, he speaks lies. Do you see that? One scripture called, tell, tells us, the Lord told us, Jesus said he's the father of lies and that when he speaks, he speaks of himself. And this is how. This is how he speaks lies. This is what Jesus is meaning when he tells us he speaks of himself when he's lying. Because he was created with the truth. But then he started looking at the truth through the lens of himself. He wanted to be over God. He wanted to be, exalt God. He wanted to replace God. He thought that he was good enough to be God. He thought that he was just as good, if not better. He thought he could overthrow God. How did you, how could he come to a decision that he could think he could overthrow God? Because the wisdom, what he knew was corrupted. It was distorted. Because he started looking at what God said, the truth that God had given through the lens of himself, a corrupted and fallen nature. So everything was twisted up in every way. Okay? So make sure you understand that. We learned that Satan is a liar, and we just talked about that. John 8, 44 tells us that. He's a liar and father of it, and we just talked about how he's a liar of that. Why? Because he got caught up in his brightness, in his skill, his splendor, his talent, all of these different things. And what happened? It corrupted what he knew. It corrupted what he, it, it corrupted what he knew. What he knew became distorted, twisted, vile and evil. And that, and when he speaks, he speaks out of that. He can't see straight, but he speaks what he sees. And it's all corrupted. It's all twisted. It's, it's all, it's all, it's wickedness. So no, he can't help but lie to you. He's a liar. Do, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? He's a, he's a liar. He had the truth, chose to do something else. And guess what? Now he's corrupted and now he's doomed. Done. Done. So that got him exiled. Got him kicked out. And his sentence has been pronounced on him. Satan is a liar, people. And he's trying to sell somebody a bill of goods that you can live your way and you can live God's way at the same time and that it will work. It will not. It will not work. We said that he operates as a wild beast. Why? Because he has the mentality of a predator. Satan is a predator. First Peter 5, 7, and 9, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's a, he's, he's a predator. 
verse number nine, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Satan is a predator. And we have to resist him steadfastly. That means continuously in the faith. We resist him by continuing to keep our faith in the Lord. One scripture tells us that, but with the shield of faith, we're able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. That's in Ephesians chapter 11. Excuse me, chapter six, rather. Ephesians chapter six. Verses 11 through 17 talks about the whole armor of God. And in there, you will find that scripture about taking the shield of faith, which allows us to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And so that's why you have verse nine, whom resist steadfast in the faith. You resist the enemy, resist Satan. And you can do that by keeping your faith, choosing to believe what God said rather than what the enemy lies to you about. I'm telling you, he is a liar. He does not, and he's not gonna tell you the truth. And he's gonna sell you something that comes off like, that's going to sound like you can do what you want to do and get, do what God wants you to do. And you can do them in parallel and, and, uh, and it'll be all right, but it's not going to be all right. You can't have God and this world. You got to choose. And if you choose the world, you are choosing Satan. You need to understand that. The other thing that we need to understand is, is that Satan Yes, he's got uh, he's got bad he's got bad intentions, and and he is considered the the prince of this world or the the god of this world, the little god of this world. In other words, the world follows him. They follow his lies and his deceit and all that kind of stuff. Everybody who's not on God's side follows the devil in some capacity or another. You understand? They're all influenced. When you live according to the ways of this world, you are living according to the ways of a system that is, that is largely influenced by Satan. That's, you, just, you just need to know that. You just need to know that. And you do not have to be overtly possessed in order to do that. Mm-mm. That's why you got so many people following it right now. They don't even know. They don't, they, they don't think they are. But they are. And all of us were. All of us were. But you need to know something about Satan. Even though Satan, Satan is a liar, and I'm trying to tell you, he's going to have you. He'll, if you. If you let him, he will, he will utterly try to convince you that he is God through and through. But he ain't. He is a fallen angel. He is a created being. being. God is not created. No one created God. God, do you hear what I'm telling you? God is, God is higher than angels above all of that. And Satan knows that, but he don't want you to know that. He does not want you to know that. So he don't mind offering you fame, success, and all of the things that will keep you distracted. Because it listen, if you ain't gonna, if you if if you're not gonna bow down to and and succumb to 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 drugs and alcohol and all other sorts of illicit things, whatever they may be, well, guess what? <laughs> Look, if 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 he can't get you one way, he'll come another way. So what would he come with? Fame, fortune, and all success, and all of these different things to get you distracted. 
And it's how you can tell the difference between when God blessing you and when Satan is hooking you up. When Satan hooking you up, you distracted. But when God bless you and God do it or whatever else it is and stuff, you don't, it don't, it don't, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't remove your ability to pray. It don't remove your ability to worship. It don't make it, it don't make you compromise worshiping God. It don't do that. When God bless you and God hook you up, he, man, the total, when God does it, it take care of your need and your physical and spiritual need. So it one don't, it's balanced. One doesn't eclipse the other. But when Satan start trying to hook it up, <laughs> man, this stuff is, is ridiculous. Now, all of a sudden, man, it's, you know, <laughs> you got to sacrifice this and you can't go to church. You can't worship. You can't go to Bible study. You can't do none of this stuff. That's how his stuff do. Now, sometimes when God hooks us up, when God hooks us up, when God hooks us up, there are no strings attached. But if we don't keep our eyes on God and we don't stay with God, then we can mismanage the things that God has given us. And then those things that were meant to bless us can be, you can, uh, we can make those, turn those things into stumbling blocks. God didn't put a stumbling block in front of you. God gave you what you needed, but we chose to put God aside, like Rehoboam, strengthen ourselves. God got, we got to a certain point and now we good. No, you're not good without God, okay? Satan will have you thinking that he just as good as God or he better than God and that he got all that. Nah, he ain't, no, he a liar. He ain't none of that, none of that. And Satan is not, he might, and Satan try to make you think that he can do everything, he can be everywhere, but he not. Satan is not omnipresent, okay? Omnipresent means that you're everywhere at the same time. Only God is that. Only God is that. One scripture tells us, whether shall I go from the presence of the Lord? Don't matter where I go. God's presence is there. But that is not, but that is not so of Satan. His kingdom is all over this world. And his presence through his representatives can be felt all over this world. But he himself is not omnipresent and cannot be everywhere at the same time. That I don't mean he don't have representatives in every area, because remember, he is, he rules and, and, and influences the government structures, the systems that we have here. So you have his cronies, people carrying out his will. And that's just as good as him being right there. But, but in actuality, but he's not. But his will is being manifest and carried out by people who's on his side. And unclean spirits and all these different things. Satan is not omnipresent. He rules from within an authority structure. Revelation 2, 12, 13 says this, and to the angel of the church of, per of Pergamos write, these things saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Okay, we're talking about Jesus. I know thy works and thou and where thou dwellest. Okay, this is Jesus talking. And he says, even where Satan's seat is, that's talking about his authority, you know, his, his, his representation of authority. 
in that city. When he talks about, I know thy works and where thou dwell, he's saying, I know the city. I know where you actually live. And I know where Satan's representation is in that city. In other words, where he, where he, where, where he influences from is what he's talking about. And thou hast to hit and thou, thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Now notice the scripture is talking about Satan's dwelling as a place. And that is, and there's a reason for that because he's not omnipresent. Satan cannot physically be in every place at the same time. Angels do not have that ability. God did not give that to them. Now, Satan wants you to think he is, but he's not. That's why when you hear a bunch of people talking about the devil just did, did the devil maybe, the de hold on. The devil got bigger fish to fry than just that person. Now, they are a, more, more than likely, they are highly influenced by unclean spirits who carry out the devil's will. But some people will have you thinking that the devil is right around the corner and it's just, I mean, you know what I'm saying? No. No. But the will of Satan is manifested throughout this world. So his will is represented everywhere. That can give the illusion that he is there at the same time, but he's not. His will is, but God is actually everywhere at the same time. Not just his will. God is literally everywhere at all times. He feel heaven and earth. That's what the Bible says. You can't escape God. Let me tell you something. You can get away from the devil, but you sure can't get away from God. So you can get away from the devil through Jesus Christ. And the devil can't do that to you. But how are you going to get away from God? Where, where, <laughs> I, I, you know, I let me I, let me say this, and and it's you know, and 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 I say and I and I say this this is this is for the person who wants to live wrong, and you've been trying to do this on your own, and you think that you're okay without God. Let me tell you something. You are on the devil's side, whether you realize it or not. And Jesus Christ can save you from that. He can save you from the clutches, the will of the enemy. You are on the devil's side. As long as you continue in this wickedness and rebellion against God. But Jesus Christ went to a cross. Sacrificed his life and then took it up again the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And he can save you from the clutches of the devil. Jesus can save you from the clutches of the enemy. Because he is God. Jesus is God. He can rescue you. But you know what? But if you choose the devil, you choose Satan. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus can rescue you from the devil but can't nobody rescue you from God. You rebel against God, and I'm telling you, God's going to get you. God is going to get you. Like he going to get the devil, he going to get you too. 
One can be rescued from the devil, but none can be rescued from God. You got to be right before God. You got to be right. You got to be right. And I'm telling you that devil selling somebody a bill of goods, but we exposing it all. One of the names of the devil is Belial, which means worthless. The devil is worthless. I'm not calling him no new names. I'm just saying what the word said. He's worthless. Jesus can rescue you, can save you from your sins, save you from the clutches of the devil. But if you refuse him, who's going to save you from the clutches of the most high? got to do right you got to live right you got to live right satan is not omnipresent he wants you to think he can but he ain't nah he ain't that good he is not that good he ain't even almost he got power yes he do anybody who calls war to break out in heaven he got some power but he ain't got all power he don't feel heaven and earth See, he got kicked out of heaven. God don't get kicked out of nothing. God don't get kicked. He do the kicking. And when God gets to kicking, the devil, like everybody else, is on the receiving end. It ain't the other way around. Now, the devil wants you to think that is because he wants you to think that he's an alternative. He wants you to think that he that that you know he's a viable alternative to God. No, he's not. He's just a liar. Again, with his lies. All the while he's trying to destroy you, your family, everything. Listen, the devil hates you. And the sooner you wake up to that, if you listen to this message, the better off you're going to be because the quicker you'll come to your senses and you'll run to Jesus. And you let him wash you of those sins because you need it. I needed it. We all need it. The devil's not omnipresent. The devil is not omnipresent. Okay? So when we talk about understanding your enemy, you need to know Satan. Okay? You need to know his title. It, it, those titles, it gives you, it, it reveals his, his character. You need to know where he come from and how he got where he got. He got kicked out of heaven. He got exiled. And foolishness will get you kicked out of stuff. And that's what he did. He wasn't exempt. God is not playing with nobody. He wasn't playing with the devil and he's not going to play with you. He's not, he wasn't, he not playing with me. Everybody got to do right. Or go to hell. That's just it. I don't, I don't know another way to describe that. Either, you, either I am going to do right or I am going to burn. I don't have any other recourse or any other choice, and neither do you. But the devil wants you to think that you can. He wants you to think that, no, he wants you to think you can just get to God by any means necessary. And in some of you, he got you so deceived that you don't even think there is a God. You just all day long looking at rocks, trees, and stuff that you know you couldn't make, and you know science can't make, but you refuse to acknowledge God. The devil just, he, I'm telling you, he is a liar. He is a liar. Got you thinking an asteroid came from, 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 from universe 
two seven two nine three thousand. Some 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 just some trash like that. And somehow it just it just exploded and hit it and and from and it it it, it hit our our earth and and light. Come on, man, that's foolishness. That's a fairy tale if I ever heard one. All because the devil would love would rather you acknowledge foolishness than you would do acknowledge the Most High God. But you're going to acknowledge him. You're going to acknowledge him one way or the other. That's why you might as well get this done now. You might as well get your sins dealt with now. Get that washed away now. Get on God's side now. Because you got to be able to understand something. God is not playing. God is not playing games. He's not playing with that devil. He's not playing with them unclean spirits. He's not playing with you. Well, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it because I'm duty bound to talk about it. You better get off the devil's side and get on God's side. You ain't got to be all out just possessed in order to be on the devil's side. Some of you got good sense and you still on the devil's side. Why? Because you smarter than everybody else. You know more than everything else. But your knowledge got you twisted. You caught up in your own brightness like Lucifer was caught up in his. And you are corrupting yourself. You better do right. Before you can't do nothing else, you better do right. I'm telling you right now, I had to do it. You got to do it. Everybody got to do it. Just go on ahead and do it. Stop wasting time. Repent of your sins. Turn your back on it and turn to God and live. Devil don't care nothing about you. But he wants you to think he does. He wants you to think that these people in the world love you. They don't love you. They don't love you. They don't even know you. But God knows you. The Bible says he knows you're down sitting and you're uprising. Do you know God said you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Psalms 139. Before you was anything, before there was anything about you, the Bible says he knew you. And he didn't create you for this foolishness. He didn't create you to live beneath your privileges. He didn't create you to be no slave of the devil. But how I marvel at how some of us will choose slavery over freedom. That's ridiculous. That is utterly ridiculous. Luke 11, 11, 24 tells us something about the structure of Satan's kingdom. We learn something about the mentality of those that are in. So we talked about Satan, but we but we, we learned about this kingdom. Luke eleven twenty four says this, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. <laughs> I'm telling you, these devils are something else. I'm telling you, they stealing left and right, but they are something else. Luke 11, 24. When an unclean spirit, I'm reading it again, is gone out of a man, he walketh in dry places. Talking about the unclean spirit. That's the subject here. Seeking rest. Okay. That's what, the, that's what they want to do. Okay. And finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out, okay? Now, so Satan is the leader of this kingdom. We talked about that. And we just dealt everything about Satan 
for the most part. Now let's talk about the demons, okay? Demons or other fallen angels or unclean spirits, they also make up the kingdom, okay? Part of the part of his authority structure. Okay. They they take up the roles of taskmasters, of they are enforcers, you can consider them that, and they are in the sub-leadership positions. That's what these other unclean spirits do. Okay. Make sure you know that. Okay. Make sure these the demons. Okay. We call them demons, but they are um, when we call them demons, what that refers to is what we're, who we're actually talking about are fallen angels. Satan was not the only angel that fell. Okay. There were others that fell also. Okay. Other fallen angels or unclean spirits, they make up these, they, 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 they take up the various roles within this kingdom of Satan's. Okay. These spirits serve as taskmasters and enforcers and, 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 these and these other sub leadership positions. Okay. So let's learn something about demons. Okay. Let's make sure we understand that because we pull in a wool off of that because we're not walking in fear. We walking in knowledge that has been given to us by the most high. And we are not going to defeat the enemy, unclean spirits and demons and everything else by our own power, but we're going to do it by the name of Jesus Christ, because there is no power greater than our Lord. And when his name come into it, let me just get, skip and give you a preview. They know what time it is. They know what's getting ready to happen. And I'm just going to leave it at that. But, they, but, but when Jesus step into it, they know, it's about, they know what it's about to happen. And it's about time that you and I understand and we learn what's happening. So we can stop being in fear and intimidated by the enemy when God has given us strength. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Not only shall they speak another tongue, he said, but they shall clasp, but, 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 but they shall cast out demons and unclean spirits and all of that stuff. This is what they're going to do. That's what we do. It ain't us running from them. It's them better run from our Lord. And when he step in, they had better act like they know what time it is. And they know. They know, but we don't. We don't. But in the name of Jesus, we will. Demons are spirits, okay? Matthew uh, uh, 12, 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none, okay? So that's a parallel text to what we had in Luke eleven twenty four. 24, okay? That was uh, Matthew 12, 43. Um, verse 45 said, then goeth he and take it um, with himself, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they entered into, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be, and so shall it be also unto the wicked generation. Okay, God is not playing. Okay, God is, God is, 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 is not playing. Demons are spirits, and that's what I want you to take away from that, those two scriptures, okay? They are spirits. They are also numerous. You need to understand that. Demons are spirits, and they are numerous. So numerous that Mark 5 and 9 describes one demon as saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many, okay? So demons are spirits, okay? These fallen angels, they are spirits. 
they and they are numerous. There's a lot of them. Okay. Unclean spirits, you need to, can control men. We're learning about unclean spirits. These are the you better you better hear what I'm saying. Because because these are the goons that make up the kingdom. I'm telling you, they the taskmasters, they the enforcers, they are the sub-leadership in his kingdom. The prince of the power of the air, the power of the air refers to his, his kingdom, Satan's kingdom. They are spirits. There are many of them. And they can control men. Look at, look at Mark 5, 2 through 5. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, could bind him no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. You see how ridiculous what, what, them, what demons do? Do you see what do you see what they do? They were controlling this man. And let me explain it to you. Let me break it down to you. They tried to bind this man. And when a person is possessed with an unclean spirit, these unclean spirits bring a strength, a physical strength. They enhance the physical strength of a person. Now, before you get ridiculous and start thinking you're going to be Superman, you better pay attention to what they did. They didn't make nobody super strong, so they go do some acts of goodness and kindness. They wasn't going to get cats out the trees and, 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 and saving dogs from drowning. They wasn't doing none of that. But instead, they gave this man, they conferred upon this man the strength to hurt himself. So much so that nobody could stop this man from hurting himself. That's the kind of strength that he gives. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that Superman stuff out. Ain't none of that. You don't get the strength from an unclean spirit and become a superhero. No, you don't. You are enslaved. And had granted enhanced strength to destroy yourself. Because that's what he was doing. That's what he was doing. Robbed of his senses. They had taken over. Don't play with the devil. Don't you invite him in. Don't you invite him in. You stay away. Don't you walk in that. And Jesus Christ keeps you from that. He is our shield against that. That's why you need Jesus. That's another reason why. So demons can't control men. You need to understand that. And when they control men, they don't control them for the better. They control them for the worse. Okay? Okay? Demons are unclean and they are violent. Look at Matthew 8, 28 through 31. 
they are unclean and they are violent. That's Matthew 8, 28 through 31. They are also aware of their eternal fate. They know what time it is. Look at Matthew 8, 29. And behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? What time are they talking about? The time that God has appointed to judge these unclean spirits. Jesus showed up and then we're not recognize who he was. Like, oh, wait a minute. God, are you are you are you finna cause this to jump off now? You are you you are you before the time you know you said we we got time to do this. You, you getting ready, oh, man? Are you are you moving up the schedule? <laughs> Devils are so ridiculously under control when it comes to God. Why would you not want to serve God Almighty, who can keep you protected from this foolishness? Man, I don't know about you, man, but man, I ain't trying to, I don't, man, uh-uh. Give me Jesus, all Jesus and only Jesus. I don't want nothing to do with the devil's foolishness. I ain't got time, man, I'm, listen, I ain't got time to be cutting myself. I ain't got time to be hurting myself. I ain't got time to be self-destructive. I ain't got time to be carrying out at ridiculous acts and hurting us. I don't have time, no. And some of you have been bound for too long, but I'm going to tell you right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke every unclean spirit right now, right now. And I speak the name of Jesus over you. Devil, you got to let go. You got to let go. You got to give up. Some of you so hopelessly twisted and influenced, you can't even think straight. But in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, the Lord Jesus, rebuke you. The Lord Jesus, rebuke you. See, we're not getting ready to carry no conversation on with no devil and all that kind of stuff. We lead that to Jesus. No, no, we, we're not doing all that. We're going to use the name. And through the name, we're going to break the chain. Because it ain't us, it's him. And it's time for you to repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus and let him fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you walk and obey him and you don't have to worry about being possessed and nothing else. No more. Somebody need to hear that. Somebody need to hear that. Unclean spirits, they're, they're, they are aware of their eternal fate. They know. That's why they said, what do you want with us, son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? They know, they, they're aware of that. Demons are also, you need to understand this. They are spirits. They are numerous. They can control people. They are unclean. They are, un they are violent. They are also aware of their eternal fate. They know what time it is. But you also need to understand this. They are also in conflict with Christians. 
saints of God, you're not going to get out of this thing without having to uh, cross swords with unclean spirits. You're going to have to deal with that. This world is hopelessly influenced by them. And you got the name above all names. You got the chain breaker. You got the power. As long as you've been filled with that Holy Ghost. Now, if you don't have that, you don't got no power. But if you got that Holy Ghost, you got the power. You ain't got to run from no devil. You just got to make sure that you stay prayed up. And that you fasted up and all of these different things, that you spend a regular time with God Almighty, staying connected to the source, so that no matter what the devil steps up, you able to, listen, you able to speak the name and he got to obey. Unclean spirits don't obey nobody without authority. They don't, they don't have to but they must recognize authority. You understand that? Demons are in conflict with Christians. Ephesians 6 and 12 says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? Demons are spirits. They are numerous. They can control people. They are unclean and they are violent. They are also very much aware that they only have a short time, which is why they act out so ridiculously because they know they don't have a lot of time, okay? They are in conflict with Christians. They're gonna fight against you. They're gonna fight against you through other people. Those that they have influence with, they're gonna fight through that. And you, and that, and you need to understand that. When you're dealing with people and they're coming against you and just ridiculous stuff, you need to understand these folks are in, under the influence of unclean spirits. And that's why you got to be able to, you got to pray for these people. Don't spend your time just getting mad and hating these people. You got to pray for these people. They're influenced by the enemy. And you got the name above all names that you have been authorized, given permission to use the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Unbelievers, and you understand this, unbelievers are susceptible to demon possession. Amen. Unbelievers are susceptible to demon possession. I hope you hear me. For those of you who don't have Jesus, who don't have God, and you're walking outside and you're doing outside of his will and doing all the stuff that you want, and you're those of you who are dabbling with, 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 with drugs and alcohol and all these different things, let me explain something to what you're doing. When you start getting caught up in all of these things of the world and all this other kind of stuff, you are opening yourself, especially when you start using things like alcohol and drugs and, and all other sorts of things to become addicted to and all that kind of, listen, those things open you up to make it easy for unclean spirits to come in and reside. And if you ain't got the name of Jesus Christ and you ain't, you ain't been filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to understand something. You don't have no protection against that. You don't have none. Jesus is the shield against all of that. God Almighty is the shield against all of that. And when you are an unbeliever, 
you open yourself up. And I already read to you Luke eleven twenty four and Matthew um, 12, 30, uh, 43. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh in dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. Unclean spirits don't like to be uh, don't like to be unembodied. In other words, they don't like to be um, just out. They don't like that. Because their way of acting upon the world, of interacting with the world, is through people. So it is highly desired of them. They covet that. They want to possess. Because through you, they can carry out and interact with the world naturally. So that's why they go around looking. They don't want to just be out and about. No, they don't want, they don't want that so much so to where when Jesus cast them out, they was like, okay, look, look, suffer us to at least go into these pigs. And the Bible says that he did. And them, them, and 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 them unclean spirits went into them pigs, and them pigs went crazy and, and ran violently over a cliff. You better understand something. The devil trying to take you over a cliff. Some unclean spirits, that's what they do. I told you, they are the taskmasters and enforcers. His sub-leadership. They work for Satan. And they job, they desire, take you over the cliff. That's what they want to do. But the most important thing that you need to know about demons, because I gave you seven things there. They are spirits, they are numerous, they can control people. They're unclean and violent. They are aware of their eternal fate, which is why they act up so much. They are in conflict with the children of God. Unbelievers are susceptible to demon possession. But above all of that, the thing that you want to know the most, that you need to know the most, is that demons know Jesus Christ as the most high God. And they recognize his supreme authority. Look at Mark 1, 23. And there was in the synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out. Verse 24 saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art the Holy One of God. Notice what he said, are you come to destroy us? Do you realize the power you are dealing with when, you are, when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen at the testimony of a devil. The devil said, art thou come to destroy us? And in one scripture, he says, art thou come to torment us? Do you see how fearful they are of Jesus? Do you see the power of Jesus? 
he can not only just free you from their grip, he has the power to literally destroy them. And they know it. They know it. Acts 19.15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are ye? These were some guys who decided they was going to cast out unclean spirits, but they didn't have no authority. Unclean spirits, fallen angels, Satan himself, the chief of fallen angels. They recognize the name of Jesus Christ and they must obey his word. And that is why a child of God must be in right standing with God and in fellowship with God because that man, that woman is empowered to use the word of God. And when you are empowered to use the word of God, you have been permission to, uh, to speak on behalf of God. They must then obey the authority of God. You can't be half-stepping one foot in the world and one foot in the church and you're doing this. No, they don't have to obey you. They said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know. How come they knew Paul? Because he was operating in that word, because he was a man of prayer, because he was doing what God said do. Said, on we we know we know we know Jesus and we know Paul, but you? No, 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 no. We don't know you. And Bible says if you read that story, they jumped on them, beat them out of their clothes, and sent them out naked. I'm telling you. James 2:19 says this: Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. <laughs> Listen. God is greater than every unclean spirit, every lie of the enemy. Devil can think he got you bound. Unclean spirits can think you, they got you bound. But in the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not going to be afraid. And if you're tormenting, if you're listening today and you're dealing with those unclean spirits, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke every unclean spirit. And I declare that the name of Jesus is greater. And I declare that whatever the devil tried to have you bound, bound up to, locked up into, in the name of Jesus, it is not going to work. In the name of Jesus, leave that man, leave that woman alone. In the name of Jesus Christ. You get up. Man, woman, you get up. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has set you free. But you're not done yet. You are not done. It's time to repent of those sins. 
you get to that church as fast as you can and you tell them to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't do it in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Do it in the name of Jesus. The very name that just delivered you from the grip of unclean spirits. Because the same name that breaks the grip of unclean spirits, that's the same name that you got to be baptized in. Don't do nothing different. Do exactly what that word say. And you ask God, fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to know that you got the Holy Ghost because you are going to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. You just begin to open your mouth. The words ain't going to even necessarily make sense. You just open your mouth and begin to speak and bless God and he'll take care of the rest. Brothers and sisters, God bless you. We will keep this going. And uh, next time we get together, we'll go further in this. We will continue in this talk about the Satan and knowing the enemy. This time we dealt with the, the, the unclean spirit. So we're, we're building. We've already talked about Satan and we revisit that too. And we're we, today we talked about the unclean spirits and the, 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 their role in the kingdom. And we learned some things about unclean spirits. And when we continue in our next lesson, we'll continue on a little bit further with these unclean spirits, but then we'll also walk into some other things and we'll continue on. God bless you. And until next time.